You're listening to the Big Cast C-Suite Edition, your source for leadership insights and inspiration with John Janclays. This episode of C-Suite Interviews is made possible by the generous support of Kony, a leader in enterprise mobility and applications to drive digital transformation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Big Cast C-Suite Interviews Edition. My name is John Janclays, and I'm your host. This may be a new voice to you, and I'm excited to join the Big Cast Network. I've got to tell you, there's that saying that's out there, and I'm reminded of it as I'm picking up the microphone today, that you are the average of the five people that you hang around with. And being a new podcaster, I am excited to join uh, John Best, Glenn Servati, and Ann Legg. They are seasoned podcasters, and I'm certainly going to grow and learn just being associated with these great guys. Um, the other thing is a little bit about me. Um, I am the CEO of Partners Federal Credit Union. We serve the Walt Disney Company, all the cast members and their family. Uh, we serve about 140,000 across the United States. Uh, we are $1.5 billion in assets, and our primary market areas are Orlando and Southern California, as you would expect. Um, a little bit about um, C-Suite Interviews, how this came about. Uh, it is the outgrowth from a book that I wrote. That book was entitled Doing What Matters, How Leaders Can Help Individuals and Organizations to Thrive. And in that book, I taught a concept called field interviews. And what a field interview is, is just what it sounds like, is if you have a problem or you're thinking about an opportunity and there's someone out in the marketplace who's doing what uh, you would like to do, go interview them. Ask them what their journey is entailed, uh, what kind of advice can they give you, and short, what is their secret sauce, what's working for them. And uh, so that's the genesis of uh, how these interviews came about. Um, I'd also like to mention, too, that um, the proceeds of the book that I wrote, Doing What Matters, as well as any speaking engagements, and I do about two to three speaking engagements a year, are all going to be donated to help leaders who don't have someone who's championing them. I was really lucky coming up as a leader that I had folks who supported me both um, you know, from an emotional standpoint, but also monetarily. And so this is kind of my way of giving back. You know, We've all heard the expression, too much is given, much is required. I'm a lucky guy. There's a lot required. Uh, the other thing I'd like to mention about that is I'm not the only one who thinks this way. We have some tremendous sponsors. Uh, today I'd like to announce that Kony, which is a great mobile app, um, is a sponsor. Uh, their CEO, Tom Hogan, you can expect to see him here on the show he is making an investment of his time, but also of his uh, financial resources to make this possible. So, so thank you to our partners at Coney. Um, C-suite interviews, when we go out and do field interviews, uh, we're talking to folks who are in the corner office. So um, folks who are in the C-suite, the CEO, CFO, CIO. Uh, we're also talking to executive coaches, those who are in the corner office with us, trying to help us you know, lift our performance. We also talk to academics, and they're doing a lot of research about what's coming next at us. So we'll have a fair dose of talking to our friends from academia. And uh, what else? who else are we going to talk to? Consultants. And that's probably a good segue to today's interview. Today we're going to interview Micah Jendel. Micah is a partner at the Boston Consulting Group. That's often referred to as BCG. If you don't know, they are a world-class consulting firm. 
Um, they have offices here in Los Angeles. A couple of weeks ago, I went to their offices to meet with Micah, and we had an in-depth conversation about what's happening in financial services, both at the large firms, mid-sized firms, small FIs, insurance companies, including credit unions. And during that conversation, we explored the different kinds of disruptors that are happening and how we need to change our mindsets at leaders to really find success in this new operating environment. So I think you're going to really enjoy this interview with Micah. So um, let's not delay. The, let's move right on to the interview. Uh, to our listeners, let me introduce Micah Jendel, partner, Boston Consulting Group. Hey, Micah, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well, John. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for making the time for us. I tell you what, I really got excited about this interview because uh, so many of our listeners are right in the financial services space and Micah, you're in the thick of it and are going to be able to, you know, lend your perspective about what's going on on the landscape. Um, but before we do, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about um, your path to your, the role that you're in now at BCG and maybe even including your educational background and some of the first assignments you had and now your new role as, as a partner at BCG. That'd be helpful. Sure. No, ha- happy to, John. Um so, so as John mentioned, uh, Micah Jindal, I'm a partner at the Boston Consulting Group. I've been with BCG, as, as we refer to it, for the last 11 years. Um, for those who uh, don't know BCG, we're a management consulting firm that really focuses on helping clients unlock their potential and solve their most difficult challenges. And it's for themselves and as well for the broader world, other stakeholders that they, they're involved with. I, in particular, I focus on financial services, so that's the way we define it as banks, non-banks in the financial services sector, and insurance companies, um, and really supporting them on a global basis as well as uh, uh, here in the U.S. I, I have been doing that for the last um, last decade. Prior, prior to BCG, um, I was in business school at Harvard Business School, really focused on corporate strategy type topics. Before that, I was at another consulting uh, firm that was really focused on corporate strategy. And you'll hear a consistent theme across all the experiences, really working at the CEO level and helping them with their challenges across a broad range of topics. Um, and then before that, um, I was um, at Northwestern for my undergrad, where I was focused on social uh, policy and education um, as, a, as a major and spent some time doing internships in the Central Administration of Chicago Public Schools. Yeah, that's tremendous. Um, so in your practice now, what seems to be picking up speed? What are some of the hot issues at FIs that you're working with? And if you can kind of talk about that, it would be great. Yeah, it, it is amazing just the amount of transformation and innovation happening right now in the financial services um, sector. And, and if you asked me three years ago what was on the agenda versus today, I, I think a lot of the things that are on the list today wouldn't have been there. And, and a lot of it is technology driven. So the topics that, that we're, we're talking about now is not just the tech, the technologies themselves. There's a lot of techno, technology experts that are out there in the space, but how can you successfully leverage those technologies, organize yourself in, in the right way, develop the right set of capabilities? So, um, to give you some examples, um, agile development is huge now, which has very, been very traditional in the startup and technology world and is now entering financial services. But it requires a whole different way of thinking 
for for people who've traditionally been in the financial services sector and organizing. You're breaking down functional silos, really trying to create teams of experts and trying to move at the speed of light with change. So test, refine as you're learning, go back and do it again. Okay to fail, which hasn't typically been in, in the regulatory mindset. So so that's an example there uh, on, on technology. The other thing that we've been doing a lot of work on is growth. A lot of the transition has been from the last few years from regulation and cost removal in a different environment to now, at least in the U.S., the economy improving and really saying, how can we grow and deliver more and more value to our customers? So we're helping them think through that. And a lot of the topics there have been things like big data, using you know new data, helping you support decisioning and providing um, the right product or the right support for your customers, given what's happening on and what's happening in their life in, in the moment. So we have a topic, for example, called personalization, mm-hmm. where it's really saying, how do I understand, how do I take a lot of data on, on a customer based on what they're telling us about them, but also other sources and help provide them the right offer in the right moment in their their life. Maybe they're moving into a new home. So it's not just about the mortgage, but it's about other other topics um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. The the third thing, John, that we're talking about is constantly there is people. And, um, you know, it's a really important topic with people and there's a huge rush to get the best talent that's out there to retain them and, and then to develop them. And so our thinking there has been evolving too. How do we create work environments that energize um, individuals? How do we, we have a topic called smart simplicity of really trying to simplify um, how people do the work that they do so that they can free up and focus on the highest value areas and understanding the context and behaviors of organizations and how does that, how does that create challenges or opportunities? Um, and, and then the other thing that we're doing now is a lot of frontline manager development. I think historically in financial services, it was focused on more senior levels. But how do you actually create greater accountability at the, at the lower level so you can allow them to do um, innovation in the right, um, in the right regulatory constraints? So it's, it's really about technology, people, growth right now. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm just kind of making a, a laundry list of all of the new inventory of skills that we're cultivating you know, so if you were talking to someone like me and saying, you know, on your own development plan, you know, as a CEO, there's some new things that need to be on there and, and you want to be cultivating. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that saying my advice to you would be cultivate two or three things that might be different than what you've done in the past as a leader? Yeah, I, I, I've been using with with CEOs just kind of the framework of I've just been saying the two A's. That's what we've been focusing on in 2017 to 2020. And and one of them is apprenticeship. So thinking about apprenticeship in a different a different way, I think traditionally it has been I'm going to provide some directives and a very clear vision for for my teams and let them let them go off and, and do it in their particular capabilities. But I think now is transit because organizations are evolving and there's a lot of flexibility across functions, apprenticeship is about giving them the right types of opportunities and a more diverse set of opportunities. So putting them in, in areas that might make them feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. giving in, asking them to work in a more cross functional manner than, than, than what they have. And, 
giving them the support, in particular saying it's okay to fail in some instances, I have your back here, and, and you know, giving direct feedback when it, when it makes sense, um, but also just giving them the encouragement that this isn't a make or break um, opportunity. So apprenticeship is really evolving, and I think for leaders like yourself, that's 80, 80% of your job is just really enabling um, your teams. I think the second thing is adaptability. So I think um, traditionally in the financial services sector, it's been individuals who've grown up through the ranks, who've been doing things in certain ways for 20 to 30 years. Now with all of these disruptions, whether it's fintech, whether it's blurring of the lines between banks and and non-banks, the regulatory pressures um, that are there, the constant evolution that's needed, I think there's a different mindset that's that's needed and you can't just in today's environment say we're going to do project planning in a certain way we're going to spend three months project planning then we're going to go after it you really need to be more adaptable in, in, in real time and foster that in your organization but also i think for leaders it's hard to foster that in yourself mm-hmm. being comfortable and saying i need to learn something i need to be continuously learning and it's okay if i'm not the leader or expert here in in the organization, but leveraging others to do that. Boy, I did spot on for me. That's something that I've noticed that I'm doing is learning more about technology than maybe I've ever had before. And, you know, that's formal education, heading off to MIT and spending a week there. They've got a great program for IT for non-IT leaders, right? To give you a good orientation about the business of IT and how to measure the value of IT. And um, so having to kind of sharpen that tool a little bit, you know, Micah, the other thing that I'm learning in my role is my job is to build ecosystems of partnerships and relationships and, and things like that on a scale that is just very different. I mean, I now travel to our technology partner shops and talk about their roadmap and ours, um, in a much more dynamic way and fluid way than, than we have before. Um, maybe you can talk about just, just digital disruption, what's happening out there and how we kind of need to have a mindset. And there's also this topic out there about fintechs. And maybe you can talk a little bit about, is anybody successfully partnering with them? What are we learning about that as we do that? Yeah, yeah, sure. More more than happy to do that. So I think you're spot on, John. You have to think your ecosystem historically has just been within the organization and then outsource providers. And now the ecosystem's turning into this broader network of, of leveraging all of these partners. They're not just outsourced providers. They're truly partners hmm. in bringing the best value to, to your customers over time. So you do need to think about them um, um, differently, and you need to expand the box. And, for example, we're talking a lot with our financial services clients these days about how do you do projects? We're doing consultant projects but bringing the partner in with you. So if there's a technology provider, and I know I just spoke about Agile, so to keep going on that um, analogy with, with Agile, it's we're forming an Agile team and help coaching them on Agile capabilities where the third-party partner and the internal client are have members on the team working full-time together in a, in a separate facility from either organization than to make things done. So bringing in partners is important, understanding that you cannot do it on the own, on your own. You are not going to be the best at everything. But say what is core to me versus where I should leverage others is really um, important. And the blurring of lines is just um, 
quite amazing. I'll, I'll tell you a story I was um, from a couple months ago. We were doing a conference, BCG North America conference, and we wanted to talk about fintechs. And what was interesting was we had we had a fintech come in, a leading fintech um, CEO who had, had one very successful fintech and starting up another. And he came up, he came in in a suit and very buttoned up, not the typical startup world that you'd expect. And he told us that banks are here to stay. It's not that fintechs are displacing banks, but fintechs are providing certain tools that but they're going to need to partner with banks at the end of the day because of the capital requirements, the regulatory requirements, the customer trust mm -hmm. um, that people typically have in banks versus some of the startups. Fintechs are going to provide the innovative ideas and the technologies to help enable further development of customer relationships. So fintechs are not taking over. Banks are here to say there's a clear partnership. Then separately, we had one of the top four largest banks, one of their heads of digital innovation can't come in. And he came in wearing flip-flops, <laughs> uh, a Grateful Dead t-shirt, had his hair in a ponytail. Not what you'd expect from banks, but you know he's really trying to change how they're thinking. And I think a lot of his book actually did did reflect that. And it was just amazing to hear how the openness to ideas, still under the right regulatory constraints and cost, but how he's trying to open up and really change mindsets at that bank to act like a fintech. Yeah. Um, so I don't see it as an either or. I see it very much as there's going to be a blending and an actual enablement across across the two areas. And right now we're just sorting out across the million, almost thousands, if not, you know, million of fintechs and, and garages right now, what's going to boil up to the top and, and be useful for customer value and then partner with banks. Yeah. And, and I, I like that story that you're telling about from your conference, because the few fintechs that I met with, we're both having to come at our relationship if there's going to be one with a beginner's mindset, right? They're learning mm -hmm. the regulatory environment, traditional bank thinking, how customers are put together. And I'm trying to understand fast, agile development, how they go yeah. after a vertical piece of the business, and they're just maniacally focused on improving the member experience or the customer experience, right? It's yeah. just with almost just no regard for how we've done it in the past, which is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, 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 a neat it's so true. Place. I mean, and you know what you're saying, it, the most critical piece is the openness, being really open to it because you can be barriers for one another as you're partnering. So another example, we, we have an organization at BCG called Digital Ventures, and it's really a startup in a box for our corporate partners. It's really giving them that capability to develop something that's truly going to disrupt their own business in, in some way before someone else disrupts them. And what we found just internally within BCG is there's some challenges because the way that you want digital ventures to work is you want them to be in their own office and doing things with their own approach, which is a very startup approach. But we at BCG tend to do consulting engagements where you build a big work plan, you go through the structure, and we have to make sure we're not we're not putting that burden on on digital ventures because the end result won't turn out as well as was expected and our clients are expecting. And so I think a lot of our financial services companies, when we bring digital ventures to them, find the same challenges. Mm -hmm. And how do we get out of our own way? So that openness mindset and CEOs really um, acting as champions and saying, I am going to support this. And if I see any behaviors that are blocking innovation or blocking partnerships in certain ways, um, 
I'm going to make sure I break through those so that we get the best results. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. And we often talk a lot about um, the idea of failing forward. And it's, it's a, mm-hmm. a term used an awful lot. Um, and maybe this is an awkward question. I don't know. But when is it okay to fail forward and when is it not okay? What are examples of failing forward? This is what it looks like. When we say failing forward in your mind, what does that actually look like? Yeah, I, I think the way to think about it is is more stage gates so that you can fail in a way that that is safe. So I think the first the first kind of rule, the way that I think of it as a decision criteria or decision tree is, is this something that is from a regulatory audit perspective, just something we have to get right in a certain way? And then also, you know, with our customers from a foundational perspective, we have to get this this one piece um, right. And I wouldn't start there. I think that's where, you know, you do need to be very planful and you really have to have things exact before you, you move it forward. I think on the innovation curve, when there are new things that are augmenting what you're currently doing, you start there with innovation and you do it in a way that you're piloting so that you are failing, but you're learning in a way that it's not having huge impacts on destroying value for your other stakeholders, whether internal employees or your customers. So um, thinking about testing out things with your internal employee base first or with a particular segment of your, your customer base, um, maybe it's one branch or um, maybe it's you know one, different, one type of customer segment, um, really trying to do things in small ways so that you're, you're testing, um, um, and learning. And then always, you know, think about things that are, again, adding value versus could potentially subtract value. Hmm. So the incrementality. Then as you build up the capability and the culture of failing fast, you can start moving more into areas that impact customers immediately or, or move into areas where there are regulatory implications, but you know, this is going to actually reduce your risk improve your regulatory compliance um, over time. So so I think about sequencing. I think that's the main point, sequencing and thinking about where to fail fast first um, and and then carving out more and more as you build up capability. I like that. Those are really useful and helpful guardrails. Um, Another topic that's out there that we're wrestling with is platforms. So we watch like Uber as a platform and, and then we try to make that translation back into financial services. So, Maybe you could share with us your thoughts about, you know, platforms, how they're going to impact financial services. And do you know anybody who's successful in, in building a, a platform out there that we could look to for guidance? I think it's really TBD right now. We're really trying to see who are going to be the players that, that win their versus not. So, right, the biggest thing in financial services now is the peer-to-peer networks um, and the platforms that they're developing right now. Now, if you really look at it, you look deep at what's going on, it's actually traditional lending more than anything else because the backers, what the peers on the other side tend to be the institutional investors that are still doing typical types of, of loans um, on the traditional banking side. So, um, you know, there's a question there if it'll work, but the platforms that they're using to just the experience from a lending perspective of, I can input some information and within a minute or or 10 minutes with like a rocket mortgage, for example, I can get an approval for something. It's quite powerful and will push over to the to the bank. So that speed, 
that customer experience of the platform that you're seeing on all the lending side. That's all, you know, very exciting stuff that we see, um, we see moving forward. But the peer to peer model itself, I think is, is open for debate. The other kind of platform that we're talking a lot about with clients now is just robotics and chatbots. And, and there's uh, thousands of them that are, that are out there, but how's that going to impact the industry? So when you think about wealth management as an example and, and robo advising and, and the actual engagement and providing advice, how much can actually be done through self-service, through um, engagement with a chat bot to help, to help decision on what can we do best versus where do I need a person? And I think that's going to continue to be a revolution and have impacts on huge sales forces. But I think the sales forces are still there to stay. The platform will enable the sales team to focus on the most complex issues as they're talking with their customers versus simple issues. So free up their time and be an enabler, but it's not going to to be the, to be a replacement um, as a whole. And then the, the final thing I'd say from a platform perspective is it's turning more into, John, you mentioned the ecosystem. It's not that, hey, we're going to have one technology platform that's going to serve everything in this one product category, but it's hey, there, there's a really interesting point solution here that allows us to to, navigate, to look at big data. There's another big um, solution point over here that allows us to pre-populate um, information as people are doing applications. There's another one here that helps with self-service. And so I think a lot of the complexity with platforms is they're actually there's actually a divergence right now. And and for I think CEOs like yourself, it's how do we actually combine think about combining them in the right ecosystem where they can all work together. Yeah. Gosh, you know, that's out of my own need to build an ecosystem of experts around me to help advise me and help me think about the future. You know, that was the outgrowth of what C-suite interviews is, right? We talk to consultants, we talk to my peers, we talk to academia, we talk to executive coaches and that whole spectrum of things that we're dealing with here and, and have other people listen in to what are my field interviews about building my own ecosystem is, it has been a lot of fun. Hey, hey, switching gears a little bit, um, you know, you have your own development that you need to stay on top of. You need to sharpen the saw, as they say. You know, how do you approach that? What's your mindset? How do you cultivate the things that you need to know? It's amazing the depth yeah. of things that you have to know. No, it's, it's absolutely, it really is. And, you know, from a, from a leadership perspective, there are just a couple of things that, that I really try to do when I'm planning on a, on an annual basis and not, not more frequently. One, one is, I really try to find opportunities to get out of my comfort zone. So I really try to say, I'm not going to stay comfortable. I'm not just going to be comfortable with my uh, current client base. I'm going to try to set up new network nodes and in areas that might not be in my, my area of focus. So, you know, in the past, for example, I focused a lot on the mortgage topic. This year, I'm going to try some more technology type topics, some leadership development for our client type topics. I'm going to work with some more insurers in the U.S. where I haven't focused as much on that. And it's just all about learning, but I've just now learning by doing, putting myself in the fire, forcing myself to do that is the way that I'm going to continue um, to evolve. So that, that's one thing. The second thing is really trying to work with new people. So whether that's within BCG or outside of BCG, I found 
working with different styles sometimes makes me uh, uncomfortable, but I learn a lot from them. And a lot of that has been around diversity. Um, so really, whether that's their backgrounds, male, female, um, different ethnicities, any type of background, I find I'm just learning so much as I'm watching them, them, them work and giving, giving them um, opportunities. And, and the third thing is feedback. I find feedback really important. We are at BCG a heavy feedback culture. After every project that a team member's on, they get feedback. Um, we have an annual survey where every partner can get feedback from anyone on their team. And it's very open. It's very transparent. We have um, mentors, formal mentors who are assigned to us. And that's the most powerful thing for me because it really helps me set my, my agenda. And it only works if you have an open culture at your company. And fortunately we do. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than fine to say, you know, last year, one of the topics for me was um, giving my teams more space to work on their own. And I hadn't realized I was doing that, you know, just the kind of more control I was doing, but having that feedback and then going to specific trainings um, outside of BCG on how do you let go? How do you, how do you make sure you're, you're balancing yourself the right way? And then asking my teams for input face to face and being in a culture where they're willing to do that has completely opened up the, the ability to develop and, and to, to hold myself um, accountable to, to constantly evolving. So one of the things I love about consulting is you're always in these new experiences and you're just compelled to continue to, to develop. And then John, one other thing on this is outside of BCG. And so I think outside of CEOs environments, it's really important to develop. And so stage I am in my career and um, the success I've, I've had at BCG and with my clients, I'm now thinking about how can I give back to the community? That's the next evolution for me. And so Participating, I'm participating in a nonprofit board right now. I'm trying to get really active in my community in other ways and leadership abilities out there. I'm finding are providing enormous value to me in terms of learning um, uh, that I'm doing with my day to day job. Yeah, that's really great. So, ton of energy to do what you do. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm just watching you kind of, you know, move through time with all the learning that you're doing. What do you do to restore your energy? There's this is a personal side about you got to get up every day and have the energy to go challenge yourself the way that you're talking about. So how do you revitalize, Micah? What, what's that about? So, so I, th I think for me um, right now, there's really two things. It's kind of family and exercise. It sounds really simple, but it's really true. I'm blessed. I have an amazing supportive wife, a nine-year-old nine boy and a six-year-old girl. And just being able to come home to them um, every day and whether it's helping them out with homework or shooting hoops um, with my son, wh whatever it is, that's just unbelievably energizing. And, and then the other thing, I, it's only something I've learned in the last three years, but just have, being disciplined with exercise has completely energized me just being able to do that in a relatively regimented way um, and um, just taking myself out of the business environment, kind of setting some goals for myself, meeting others through that, that community of just being able to, to run with a, with a group of other individuals. Um, that has been very powerful for me too. And, and then again, as I mentioned, the third thing was this nonprofit activity. Yeah. I've just found extremely 
um, rewarding and, and energizing in a different way from work. So in a complementary way of just providing some capabilities that I built up from a consulting and financial perspective that I can offer to, to help enable a, 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 an organization I'm really passionate about. That's, that's, that's good. I can just feel the energy coming from those experiences. You know, I'm at the point in my career too, where I'm looking to give back and serving on some nonprofit boards. And you know, what's great I'm finding Mike is you meet other like-minded people at a similar stage. And it's a really powerful, um, coming together. People have that intention and you can get a lot done, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's very rewarding in that regard. Um, Hey, we're coming up to the top of our time. Is there anything else that, that you'd like to share with our audience before we go? Well, you know, I think, I think again, we've talked a lot about this, John. I think it is just staying ahead, staying, you know, relevant and, and, you know, being adaptable. That's the real key thing I'm finding from leaders, the ones who are being successful and change is happening so quickly now. And, and even for leaders, just thinking about how long you're in your role. You always need that vision and you need to provide that top down direction. But what, how are you going to be adaptable? What are you going to, you know, be reading? Who are you going to be consulting to as advisors for you? And how are you empowering your, your team as you're thinking about the adaptiveness? It's just, it's so critical now. And we've seen, you know, just at BCG with all the clients we work with, just seeing successes and failures. What we've noticed more than anything else is that willingness to adapt and know that Three years from now is going to be completely different from today is the single most important thing for leaders to see that future and, and then prepare for it. Well, I'm so aligned with that thinking. Um, and, and I need to model the way from my office, right? They need to see me trying things and, hey, that didn't work out so well and me admit it, but we're going to come at it again maybe a little differently and maybe through some, through some new partnerships and what have you. So, um, Micah, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate so much our professional relationship, our personal relationship, and and you're always welcome back. If there's something that you think is timely for our audience, please know that you always got a spot here on the show to talk with us. You had so much value and appreciate so much you being with us here today. Thank you so much, John. Really enjoyed the conversation. You got it. And to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Big Cast C-Suite with John Janclays. To learn more or connect with John and the CEO Corner, please visit theceocorner.com. And we always welcome you to join in on our conversation. You can connect with the BigCast Network directly by tweeting us at BigFintech, emailing us at info at big-fintech.com, or visiting our website at bigfintechmedia.com. 